Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. I am going to start a new, I don't even call them series, but a new journey in the Word here for a few weeks. The time between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost is a tremendous time in the scriptures to look into the word, to see things there that you only see in that period of time, but they're the setup for what's coming next, which we are living in right now. It's when the person of Holy Spirit was not only introduced, but released from heaven. He's always been here, obviously. He was the one hovering over the chaos in Genesis 1. But he's here in, in the New Testament church. Um, he's the person of God that's present not only with you and for you, but in you. So we're going to take the next few weeks and, and um, I want to talk to you about another helper. I want to talk to you and do some, do some emphasizing of uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does within the church of Jesus, within um, if you've been coming on Wednesday night, uh, you know the church. We've been talking a little bit about it. You're the church. The church is not a place or a building. It's the people of God. But as we get ready to go into the Word, take your, take your Bibles, whatever, whatever format you've got it on, and let's stand up one last time. <clears throat> Make a faith declaration about the Word of God and what it's going to do in all of our lives today. Say, I love the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet. It is a guide unto my path. It is a book full of promises. It's like no other book. It's alive. It's quick. It's sharp. It's powerful. It works within my life to make me like Jesus. Today, I will never, never, never be the same again because of this book. Anoint it to my mind that I'll not only be a hearer, but a doer of the Word of God. Amen. Look to somebody and tell them you're, you're going to be blessed today. I want to talk to you about another helper, the post-resurrection reality. And we're going to start right out by going over to the book of John, the Gospel of John. I mentioned last Wednesday night, and um, uh, I'm not calling the church to this at this point, but uh, a year ago, a little, little over a year ago in January of 22, uh, I called the church in San Antonio, Texas. And I felt impressed, inspired, if you will, by the Holy Spirit to do this. But we took about a month and a half. We took six weeks. And we just started on our own time. We just started. I asked everybody to read the Gospel of John. Uh, if at all possible, read it once a week. We did that for six weeks. And um, I had begun to do that. And, and I, it would be hard for me to describe to you the impact that it brought into my life. And I've read the Gospel of John a number of times through my life. And, uh, but there was something about just picking it up and reading it and then reading it again and reading it again. When we left San Antonio to come to Vancouver, uh, many kind words, all that, uh, the words that weren't kind, I never heard them, I guess. But uh, uh, the, the most impactful comments were how much people had been impacted and were 
grateful to the Lord that they had been pushed to read the Gospel of John multiple times in a short period of time. And um, so my, re- my request to you is try it between now and Pentecost and see, see what the Lord will do in just refreshing and renewing and rebuilding. If you've been going through times of just not knowing or times of darkness or heaviness, uh, it'll do something within you. Anyway, that's another topic somewhat connected in that it's the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and turns it into power within your life. But that time from the ascension of Pentecost gives powerful insight into the preparation of Holy Spirit's arrival in the New Testament church. And I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit without going to Acts 2, at least uh, for a while. And most times in churches like this, when you begin to talk about the person and the presence and the ministry of Holy Spirit, you start in in Acts with with Pentecost. Uh, But there is so much, there is so much that the Lord reveals to us about what the ministry of Holy Spirit is in the day that we live in. So I'm going to go to John chapter 14. Turn there. John 14, verse 15. I'm just going to start reading a few verses. There we go. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Have you ever needed help in your life? As a believer, this is God's solution to that problem. Lord, I need help. I can't do it alone. The people that are here to help me, they're wonderful. I love them. But they don't have all the help I need. You can fill in all the blanks that you want to. Jesus said, if you love me, how many love him? If you love him, keeping commandments is just the natural response of loving the Lord. I want to please him. Jesus said, if you love me, he said, I'm going to pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. That he, who is he? The helper. Who's the helper? The parakletos in the Greek. Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. Another term that Jesus introduces about who the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Isn't that interesting? Those that are not covered in the blood of Jesus will never be able to fully be imparted total truth. Oh, they can have truth. They know truth. Scientific truth. Financial truth. Relational truth. all kinds, But not the truth that makes eternal difference. They can't receive it. Because the Holy Spirit is the administrator and the keeper of that truth. And without him in your life, and he doesn't come until you say yes to Jesus, without him in your life, you're cut off from truth. It should cause you to look at those that don't know Jesus in a whole other light. They truly are lost. They truly are cut off from things that they need. And, and I, was, I marveled at this this week when Jesus said, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Turn to your neighbor and say, You know him. You know the Spirit of truth. He knows you. He's, he's there with you. He's in you. He's offering the spirit of truth. The world can't receive him. But you can. You have. But you know him. For he dwells in you and will be in you. We could take that last portion of that sentence and spend weeks on what it means when Jesus said, He knows you. You know him. And this is how you do. Because he dwells in you. Wow. He dwells in you. I think we touched on that a little bit. Wednesday night about dwelling. He didn't show up to visit you. We love Nana. And she shows up for visits, and that's great. No, Holy Spirit, when he comes, there's no exit date. There's no strategy. You know, I'm going to take a break, and you can handle this. I'll leave a few things for you to carry on while I go over here. No, he, he never leaves. He moves in 
Oh, another caveat. He takes over. <laughs> Just laugh at that. He loves taking over. And that's, we call that sanctification. Holy Spirit taking over. He sanctifies. Um, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm gonna use all my time here. I will not leave you orphans. Thank you, Jesus. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Uh, because I live in you, you will live also. Because I live, because I live, you will live also. Because I live. There's that whole resurrection thing again. You will live also. At that day, excuse me, now I want to jump over to verse 25. But these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, now he just lays it out like it is. The helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, I'm going away. Uh, But then he said, and I'm coming back to you. The next great prophetic events in history is Jesus' return. Well, there's a lot of other prophetic things that are going to be fulfilled in the interim. But the next great one, that is, that is a culmination, if you will, is the return of Jesus. Um, over in John 16, 7, I want to turn there and just read another verse in 16, 7 of the Gospel of John. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why was he saying that? Because he was just telling them, I'm going to go away. And they were... They were Distraught, the disciples were like, Lord, what's it mean? Uh, you know, we, we, we barely are understanding all of this. He was telling them that there's going to come a time when they're going to throw you out of the synagogues. They're going to say, man, we're doing God's, uh, God's will when we persecute you and even kill you. Now we're in verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Or for you do theologians that are kind of trying to look in and get your arms around the, the Trinity. Uh, good luck. Uh, but uh, this is a great, uh, in 15 and 16, Jesus said the Father is going to send him, right? And here he said, I'm going to send him. They're both, they're one. And Holy Spirit is one with them, and he's been sent. Um, he was saying, if I don't go away, He's not going to come. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. In other words, he's saying, I have to go. Because for what needs to happen, what's getting ready to happen, what's going to happen, it's not my job. That is, Jesus, he can do anything, everything, all that. Not, not getting into the om- omniscience and the, uh, you know, uh, degrading that at all. But that now it was uh, God, Holy Spirit, that's going to take over. Uh, this third operation of what his purpose is in the world. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to change everything. The post-resurrection reality is that another helper has come. And that changes everything. Over in Psalms 103 too, the Holy Spirit came. It's to our advantage that he comes. Jesus was saying, it's needful. Some of those, uh, those verses are translated. It's needful that I go, that the Holy Spirit would come. In uh, Psalms 103 too, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's a good definition for worship, by the way. And I enjoyed worship so much today. I felt his presence Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists, I think, what, seven benefits here. <clears throat> and I'm just going to go through them. I'm not going to explain. I'm just going to read them. He forgives our iniquities. Seven Old Testament benefits brought by Holy Spirit. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems from destruction. 
You ever had something destroyed? Holy Spirit's the one that fixes it. He's the fixer of heaven. Anytime the devil steals something, Holy Spirit comes and makes sure it's replaced, repaid, and repaired more than what it was when it was taken away. The benefits, redeems from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness. Oh, Lord, let the crown of loving kindness rest upon the people of People Church. Amen? Loving church, loving people. He crowns you with tender mercies. Oh, we need mercies, but have you ever needed tender mercies? It's when the knee is skinned so bad that mom just got to pick you up and hold you and kiss it and make it better. Tender mercies. Our fathers knows what tender mercies. Knows when to apply them, when they're needed, just at the right moment. One of his benefits crowns you with tender mercies. Satisfies appetites. That is, inner longings. Satisfies inner longings with good things. One of the torments of the world is they're always longing for things that they'll never uh, get. And when they do what they get, they when they do get what they think they're really wanting, they find out that it's not nearly what they thought it would be. The Holy Spirit fixes that. He satisfies appetites with good things that the world has no idea. You know, the world thinks you're very strange. Why? Well, one of the reasons is that they cannot figure out for the life of them why you all come to a place like this every week. It doesn't make sense to them. It seems like a waste of time. It might seem boring. Present company exempted. Uh, it might seem like, what's the use? What do you get? They're just wanting this. They're just wanting that. They talk about money. They do all these things. They they get at, no, they're missed. They they can't. Why? Because they have no way. They have no capacity to receive truth on that level. Jesus said they can't. They can't understand it. Don't get mad at them. Pray for them. He renew. He takes care of appetites with good things. And this is one that I'm claiming every day in my life now. Particularly, he renews youthful energies. Come on, somebody. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I read something a couple of years ago. There are all of these people that try to track trends and current, you know, uh, cultural changes and all of that kind of stuff. Well, something was introduced a few years back um, about super agers. I don't hear much about it anymore, but there for six months or so, if you were online, look at all, there's term super ager was being bantered around and the definition of a super ager is someone that's living 20 years younger than their chronological age. And I claim that for my own life. The only way that that can happen is Psalms 103.5 here is that the Lord comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and He renews youthful energies. <sighs> Holy Spirit coming changed and made available a whole new way for humans to experience life. Jesus, of course, the pinnacle of all of God's love and mercy and salvation made available. Holy Spirit is the one that comes and works out all the details. It causes us to be able to walk it out in, in life day to day. And when the Holy Spirit arrived on the scene after Jesus ascended and went back and was seated at the right hand of the Father, there is making intercession for each and every one of you continually. Now the Holy Spirit has been released. The Father, the Son, release them. Say, go. Holy Spirit, you've got to get down there. They need you. It changed life in a whole new way that humans had never been able to experience before, even in the Old Testament. Why? Because now it's not something that either comes on you, which you see the Holy Spirit's anointing coming on 
people in the Old Testament, prophets and, and warriors and things like that. Uh, now he doesn't just come on you, he comes into you. And Jesus said, if when I come and I knock upon your life, if any person opens to me, we will come in and we will make up resonance. We will sup with you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit comes in when you, when you open to our saying, we're here. When you say, yes, come on in, that happens as Holy Spirit enters into you. I believe at the moment, at the instant of salvation, every person who says yes to Jesus, they receive a filling of Holy Spirit into their life. What I believe, because I believe it's fairly obvious in the Word, if you want to look at it, it, first of all, you can't come unless He draws you. It's not like all of a sudden, oh, oh, there's somebody down there saying, okay, I'm going to rush down there. No, He's been there long before you did that. You remember, right? When you were doing stupid things. When you were going that way, when you should have been going that way. Some of you, when you should have died. Some of you, even more than once. But you didn't. When you get up there, you'll see, there'll be some angels that'll be shaking their head at you, but there'll be the Holy Spirit. And he said, even when you didn't know me, I was intervening in your life. I was drawing, I was calling, I was pulling. Oh, you had some times, you were a little hard, you were a little wrapped up, you you were deceived, you were blind, but I kept pulling. I never gave up on you. The Father never gave up on you. He never quit on you. He kept calling and drawing and pulling and drawing and and directing. And finally, you came to a point and you said, yes, oh, and then life changed completely. Now, I particularly believe, and our fellowship believes, that there's also a, a second filling that comes in Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks, and that's where Acts 2 and Pentecost and tongues and prophetic gifts and all of those things come in. But we're talking about another helper today. He's with, he's with everyone that has said yes to Jesus. And the reason why is because he knew and he knows you need help. Unlike you, when I was younger, I had a strong-headed streak in me. And try, as my mom and my dad tried, to use rods to correct me from it, it never left. (laughs) Holy Spirit has been the one that has been able to mold and shape and correct, long-suffer, tender mercies, redeems from destruction. Wow. Pastor Grace, your dad spoke something to me years ago that I think of at some point every week, either dealing with people or reflecting or whatever. But he said, Gary, it's amazing how much change can happen in a person's life in five years. I remember him telling me that. It was at the point where I was getting ready to go to the Yukon Territory on the mission field, and your dad wasn't happy that I was doing that. Yes. <laughs> but he was absolutely understanding. He looked at things like that with this idea, let the will of the Lord be done. But he said, Gary, five years in the Holy Spirit can totally remake your life. I remember him telling me that. And I've watched, and I don't, I'm not going, oh, it's five-year sight, but I've watched over and over again in people's lives. Once the Holy Spirit, once the other helper gets a hold of you, and you continue walking, and sometimes you, you slip and he'll pull you back up. Sometimes he'll send a brother or a sister or somebody to help you get back up. 
But you keep walking that process out. And where you are today, and say five years later, you'll look back and you'll say, oh my goodness, I can't believe what the Lord has done. That's why Jesus said, it's expedient, it's needful, it's necessary that I go, because you need another helper. Jesus being God, God in the flesh, still he was limited by the reality of just being a single body that wasn't uh, in spirit in, in that way. Holy Spirit comes and now he can be in everybody, everywhere, simultaneously at the same time, not diminishing capacity in any stretch of the imagination and do what only heaven can bring into your life. And that is bring more help than probably what you need or deserve, but he'll shower it upon you. Tender, crowns you, uh, crowns you with tender mercies. So I'm going to take you into a couple things from John 15 about uh, what this means, having another helper. There there are so many benefits of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was going to enumerate them, uh, and I I just finally ran out of, there's a lot of them. And I'm not trying to take a time where we go over every benefit or every work of the Holy Spirit. But there are some that are particularly um, needful for you to be aware of, and not just understand, but for you to be participating in. Well, I thought it's, I thought he does the work. Well, he does. But he at least asks that you show up and participate. (laughs) That you use, that at least you say, uh, as Jesus modeled, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. (laughs) Why? Because not only is he another helper, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows where you need to end up. Not picking on you, Pastor Grace. Not at all. He knows where we all need to end up. And the crazy thing is, we all have our own individual and different destination. He's the greatest tour director in the universe. He can make sure you get where you need to be at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and it all blends together where all the different parts of the body finally sync up, and they do the perfect, perfect will of God. It's amazing the help that Holy Spirit brings into the world and into our lives where the impact of us having another helper, the result of it is that it's not just the saying, I, you know, but I, I do believe it. The result is that we're never, never, never the same again. Do you know where, maybe you don't know exactly, but you probably have an idea. Do you have any idea where you might be today if you hadn't said yes to Jesus and Holy Spirit hadn't come into your life way back whenever and he hadn't started leading you and helping you? Some of you got an idea where you may be. I've got an idea where I would be. A drunkard in a tavern. That's where I'd be. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. He saved me. He saved you. And then he didn't leave you an orphan. Thank God for the Father heart. In John 15, 26 and 27... Let's go back over there. 1526, Jesus is talking. But when the helper comes, John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, the comforter. The Greek word, we've all heard it, paraclete, parakletos. The, the one who comes up alongside you. Uh-huh. And it's not like, oh, he comes alongside and gets in the passenger seat. No, he comes alongside, he grabs you, throws you in the passenger seat, and then he takes over. That's the parakletos. Not just coming up alongside to go on a little walk with you. He's coming up alongside to say, son, this is where we need to go. Because without me, you're blind. Without me, you don't know where you're going. But with me, 
I'm going to get you faithful to the end. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And so in 1526, he's saying, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, Jesus said, this is what he's going to do. He'll testify of me. One of the main functions, if you will, one of the main ministries, one of the main activities that Holy Spirit always does is testifies of Jesus. Verse 27 starts out with and. He testifies of Jesus, and then and, you're connected to that. You're brought into this process. You're a part of this, and you. And you what? Well, you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He's talking to his disciples here specifically. But we can extrapolate that and take that as he's saying the same thing and meaning the same thing also to us. So what, what is this another helper? One of his, one of his primary functions is that he administers and releases and maintains and makes sure that the testimony of Jesus Christ is always prevalent in the world. It never stops. It never diminishes. It only increases. It never fades out. I don't care how much the devil lies and says the church is dead. God is dead. Move on. There's no meaning there. The testimony of Jesus administered by the Holy Spirit will never die till the final trump. There will always be a witness in the world. And you are part of that. And if you say no, he'll raise up things that are dead to say it. (laughs) Excuse me for getting excited. The testimony of Jesus. It's the most powerful thing the world has ever seen or known is the testimony of Jesus. What is it? Testimony It's to bear witness to. So the Holy Spirit comes and he bears witness to the reality and all that Jesus is and has been and has done and will do. It's to bear witness to it. It's to report. It's to show the record, even in a forensic sense. So what's he doing? The Holy Spirit is bearing witness to people that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, but that he's real. And I, I can't take all the time. And I bet, do you realize in the Muslim countries of the Middle East right now, there is a revival of tens of thousands, yes, hundreds of thousands, and very possibly millions, because they haven't been able to count them all accurately yet, of Muslims converting to Christianity. And there are no missionaries, because they won't let them in. And if they do get in, they imprison them or kill them. The reality of the world that we live in. But when has the impossible ever stopped Holy Spirit? He doesn't know impossible, okay? Holy Spirit laughs at what you may look at and say, that's impossible. Laughs at it. Aha, watch this. I think Holy Spirit likes showing off. Pentecost Sunday's coming, okay? Get ready. Uh-huh. Oh, I, there are so many things I, I could just talk about there, and I, I, I can't. But I, the testimony of Jesus, uh, what, he, what he does is that's the Holy Spirit's job, is to show and reveal to people the reality of Jesus Christ. And he uses anything and everything at his disposal, which is infinite, to do that job. So, and I know you're not one of these, but for those that would think, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, 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 he'll never offend you. He'll never cross over anybody's will. He's just this dove of heaven that kind of flutters. <laughs> That's why I'm so excited about this, 
this few Sundays where we're talking about the Holy Spirit, because that's not anything like the Holy Spirit. He shows up and shakes buildings to the ground. He shows up and knocks off chains and handcuffs off of people. He shows up and lame people walk. He shows up and deaf people hear. He shows up and dead people come alive again. Are you kidding me? He shows up and what was impossible now becomes ordinary. He shows up and kings tremble at his presence. He shows up and military rulers fall on their face as if in a coma. He releases angels where everything else fears to tread. The Holy Spirit is the one that administers power, heavenly power. And one of the greatest uh, releases of that power is the word of, of, of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelations 12.7. Let's go over there real quick. Revelations 12.7. Uh, you all, I'm sure, have heard this verse. It's, it's one of my, it's, you know, I love all the verses. They're all my favorites. They're just good. <laughs> but 12.7. Um, this is, this is going to get down to where the verse that you all know, which will come in just a few verses. And 12.7 of Revelation says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Remember we talked a little bit last week about the serpent? Well, he's coming up. But they did not prevail, that is the dragon, Satan, the devil. Nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. They were evicted, in other words. So the great dragon was cast out, and the serpent of old. Remember last week we were talking about that in Genesis 1? and The serpent begot, this is him. The serpent of old, called the devil. Now you know who exactly who he was, not that you didn't, but... Now, he just clearly identified the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice, verse 10, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ hath come. The power of his Christ, of course, is what Jesus did. But also in extension, the power of Christ is the coming of Holy Spirit when Jesus ascended and then Holy Spirit came. The power of his Christ has come, have come for the accuser of our brethren. If Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, they're making intercession for you. Here it makes plain that your enemy, your enemy, your adversary, that serpent, that old one known as the devil, he's there accusing the brethren. Night and day, day and night, he's been cast down. Thank God. And they, everybody say they, point to your neighbor and say they, you are they, and they, us, the church, and they overcame him, small h, him, the serpent, the devil, Satan, they overcame him, you are an overcomer, you are more than a conqueror, you are on the winning side, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you think you're going to lose? Come on. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And I read all that to get to this part. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Another helper comes and he releases the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that part of that testimony is your testimony. And the power of your testimony can only really come whenever it's released out of you. Into the atmosphere, if you will, by words or writing or however. And other people can see what the Lord has done in you. The power of the testimony is one of the greatest things that the church possesses today. And it's not just what the Holy Spirit does in a foreign country through dreams and visions. It's what happens right now in our world through your testimony being released. Because at one time, you were busted and disgusted. 
Because at one time, you were overwhelmed by that serpent, by the devil. One time, you were lost and undone in your sins. But now, praise be to God, He has redeemed you from the curse of the law, filled you with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and now He administers the word of your testimony of how great Jesus is. You want to get over your problems? Release the word of your testimony about what Jesus has done in you, and all of a sudden, your problems shrink and your victory grows. I asked them for the background music to make a point. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know the time, and I'm getting ready to wind it down. The word of their testimony, Revelations 1-2, what is that? Oh, I love this one. Right at the beginning of this book, John, the Isle of Patmos. They didn't like what he was doing, so they, they said, we're going to kill him. They took a giant vat of oil and they heated it to boiling and they took John and they threw him in it and said, that'll be the end of this preacher. Church history actually happened. Not a story. That is not a tale, not a, a myth. The boiling oil didn't kill John. He came out of it whole. Terrified. terrified those that said, this will finish him off, and he comes out. So they banned him to the most remote place that they knew, a prison colony, Mediterranean, a small little desert speck of rock-cold Patmos. This is what happened there, one of the things that happened there. In verse 2, he's saying, this is what Jesus Christ has done. He showed to me his servants, so things that must shortly take place, sent and signified by an angel to his servant John. Verse 2. Who bore, John, he's talking about John, who bore witness, the angel bore witness, and John bore witness, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus and to all things that he saw. John's referring to himself in the third person. Who bore witness also is referring to what this angel did. They bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the Word of God. It's, that's what the Word is there for. Lord, I pray that the testimony of Jesus, this is what I particularly believe, that as time winds down, as revival winds up, as the culmination of all things come, as probably the greatest, I believe what many of the prophets are saying, the greatest harvest of souls that the world will ever see is just on the horizon. So what's that mean is going to happen? The testimony of Jesus is only going to increase and increase and increase and increase and increase. Uh, I think these things and what they represent in our current technology, you know what these things are, right? Every two-year-old knows how to navigate them better than I do. And uh, the information of knowledge of all mankind is on a chip that looks like the head of a match. What's it all about? It's not about knowledge at all. It's about the testimony of Jesus. That it goes everywhere. It's about taking what the enemy meant for destruction and using it to save innumerable hosts of people. The testimony of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We'll get on to the next stuff next week. I showed up in the Yukon Territory 
not having a clue other than that I knew God had called me to go there. That time to immigrate to Canada, you had to have a sponsor. I suspect you still do. And I had a sponsor, a Canadian. And I had my support from Grace International, CEA then. And I'd been approved by the missions district and boards and all of those things. But while I was out raising my support, preaching all over the country in churches and watching the Lord do incredible things, my sponsor was flying helicopter for another missionary in Africa that summer, and I finally got word he had been killed. He crashed his helicopter and went to be with Jesus. And um, my sponsorship not only was in jeopardy, it was gone. And I remember being so perplexed and so, God, what is going on? Long story short, the Canadian consulate in Seattle made an exception for me and said, we'll let you go without a sponsor. Yay. Showed up. Sponsor's dead. Contacts are non-existent. Showed up in a little church in Whitehorse. Sunday night prayer. Went to church church morning. Sunday night prayer. Show up. About four or five people there. Knelt down, didn't know anybody. Knelt down in the corner of that prayer room. And the Holy Spirit came on me. And I began to pray in another language. Fervently. First time in the church. Embarrassing. <laughs> That's what I thought. After that, at the end of that prayer meeting, a man named John came up to me. He was a Tlingit Indian. He said, who are you and why are you here? I said, my name's Gary, and I'm here as a missionary to go into little villages and tell them about Jesus. He said, I've been waiting and praying for you for five years. You're going with me to my village. Sponsor's dead. Contacts closed. Didn't bother the Holy Spirit at all. Not, not in the slightest. Fixed it just like that. The next seven years become, became some of the greatest years of my life. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, over and over and over and over and over and over. And guess what? He's still doing it. Let's stand. How many need a, need a Holy Spirit intervention in your life right now? Somewhere, some way, somehow. You need a Holy Spirit intervention in your life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it might be. You need a Holy Spirit intervention in your life right now. That's you, just lift, lift both hands up and say, here I am. <laughs> he knows where you're at. It's not like he, you're telling him information he doesn't know. This is just saying, here I am, I'm ready. I guess this little prayer I'm going to pray is this. Are you really ready for the Holy Spirit to intervene in your life? It will not look like what you think it will look like. 50 plus years of serving him and walking in this path the one thing I have learned is it never looks what he does. It never looks like what I think it will or what it should look like. It is always his idea, his way. And so the just shall live by faith, as Galatians said. And so by faith, you lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready for your intervention in my life. Now I'm going to ask you to pray the most profound prayer. It takes years of seminary to know how to pray this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
but it's the most dangerous prayer I know for real. More, Lord. That's it. That's the prayer. The beginning and the end. More, Lord. Oh, you don't sound serious. Not even to me. More, Lord. You're getting there. More, Lord. More, Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. Just so you know, when nobody's here and I'm down here as the preacher praying, this is what I'm praying for you. And this is how I'm praying it. More, Lord. We don't have enough yet. More, Lord. We need more of heaven. We need more of you. We need more of everything that you have and less of what we have. We need more, Lord. Pray it over your life like you really do believe. You need more. More, Lord. Your ways, your ways, not my ways. Your will, not my will. Lord, your plan, not my plan. Lord, you make a way where there seems to be no way. More, Lord. Ha ha. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. More, Lord. Ha ha. I don't presume to even know in this group how many... I don't know everybody here is what I'm trying to say. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your moment. If you're ready and you want to and you're willing and you say, yes, I want to receive Christ as my Savior and my Lord, I want you to just wave at me right now. I'm just looking. If there's anybody there that's ready to do that, just wave at me. We'll take another moment. Let Holy Spirit do what He's doing. I'm finished, but He's not. Mm. Okay. I release you to go be witnesses. Lay your hand on your heart. I anoint you to go release the testimony of Jesus. By the power vested in me, I deputize you to go release the testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in your life to somebody this week. I release you into the hand of God and into the anointing of Holy Spirit to be one that bears the testimony of Jesus Christ to a world that needs it because they don't have the truth and they can't understand without Holy Spirit. You are released under the anointing of heaven to go and smile and laugh and rejoice because of the testimony of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. I release you to walk in power and authority, to remember and quote and know the word of God, to be one that brings salt and light into a dead, rotting world, that, Lord, we will be those that bring the testimony of Jesus in this Clark County and Vancouver and Portland Metro and Southwest Washington. Lord, we'll be a part of it. You have many tens of thousands of others. We're just a part of it. Our hearts cry out more, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you.